Lonely Monk Productions. If you are in the greater Philadelphia area, I want you to join myself and the great Jay Murphy at McAllister's Brewing Company in North Wales, Pennsylvania on May 20th for the second installment of Murph and Nate Sing the Beatles. That's right, me and Jay singing Beatles songs all night, two of us riding nowhere, spending someone's hard-earned pay. I want to see you out there. The last time we did this, it was such a beautiful, magical night, and you will not want to miss it. But if you cannot be there in person, we will also be live streaming this on Facebook at facebook.com slash yo that's my john so may 20th mark it on your calendars murph and nate sing the beatles at McAllister brewing company in north wales at 7 30 p.m be there or be square square I don't know if y'all have seen Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness yet, but yo. That's my joy! joy. Hey yo, displace the guilt and... What's good, friends and family, neighbors near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. J. Jonna Jameson, a.k.a. Johnny Cage, a.k.a. John Mecca, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, I speak with Garrett Dutton, a.k.a. G-Love. G and I talk a bunch about Philly, music, NFTs, and cryptocurrency, and his new album, Philadelphia, Mississippi. That's coming up in a minute here. But if you're joining us for the first time, be sure to follow us on all the socials, at Yo That's My John. And if you like what you hear here today, subscribe to the podcast on any and all major podcast services. Rate, review, like, do all that good stuff that you guys do, you know. But first, uh, can I just freak out a bit? G-Love is on my podcast! <laughs> oh my god, I don't know if I can explain to you how much this episode means to me, but I'm, I'm gonna try. See, back in like 2020, when I started formulating this project, I gave myself three stretch goals. And I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with stretch goals, but they're like goals that are set high above normal standards. You know, they're radical expectations. So I gave myself three stretch goals, three guests that represent to me the pinnacle of what I thought this podcast could be. Number one was John Oates, he of Hall & Oates fame. I'm a lifelong fan of Hall & Oates. You know, their early albums on Atlantic are to me absolute classics. And John wrote one of my favorite songs of all time, Greatest Mistake from the Handsome Boy Modeling School album, White People. Also, John comes from my hometown of North Wales, Pennsylvania. And uh, I always wanted to talk to him about that commonality. You know, another stretch goal I came up with was Questlove. I don't know that there's anyone in music that I respect as much as I respect Quest. We used to communicate in the same kind of internet circle, shout out to that site, but the dude is a freaking Academy Award winner now, so I'm thinking that ship probably sailed. But again, stretch goal, radical expectations. The other stretch goal I had? Well, he is my guest today. 
You know, I talked to him a little bit about this, but when G Love hit the scene, it was like a big revelation to me because I was an enormous fan of both rock and hip hop in a time when it was hard to reconcile those two things creatively. You know, G Love and to a lesser extent Beck gave me a window into how to bridge the two things I loved into a beautiful stylistic potpourri. You know, I didn't have to pull a Sophie and make a choice. I could do both. And so I did. An enormous portion of the music I wrote and performed as Nate 3.0, they were acoustic hip-hop tracks, and that inspiration, that seed, was all planted all them years ago the first time I heard G Love. As a matter of fact, in honor of G being on the show today, I want to share a demo version of one of those compositions, a little song I wrote called BLT. And you can see for yourself just how big of an influence on me this cat has been. I'd be the Danny Zuko girl to your Sandy I don't want you to ever underestimate me Cause it would be my dream to be a fantasy I promise you would be the salsa on your nacho chip I'd even be a straw if you needed a sip I'm a 32% on a dollar tip And that's why we should be in this relationship You had me from the second that you walked right into the room And now I know that I was a fool to assume That I could never have a chance with a girl like you Cause you showed me straight up that that wasn't true Yeah, we hit it off nice and the sparks, they were flying And I had thoughts up in my head and they was multiplying All the things that I want to experience with you Like the late Heath Ledger said I just couldn't quit you all No, magic in your smile could pull a rabbit out of a hat And the way you bit your lip, man, that was that that's a rap, box me up, yeah, I'm done Count it down from the three to the two to the one love Can't believe that it could be that you and me Could come together on a level more than physically Mind and soul are in control And I wanted you to know that I love everything about you From your head to your toes I'd be the bacon in your BLT I'd be the Danny Zuko girl to your Sandine I don't want you to ever underestimate me Cause it would be my dream to be a fantasy and I promise you would be the salsa on your nacho chip I'd even be a straw if you needed a sip I'm a 32% on a dollar tip And that's why we should be in this relationship it's criminal the minimalistic for you to get me subliminally critical always you affect me unbelievable you raise a limit to the sky and make the everyday clock can't think that he could fly but two reason to pardon it's cute just how you compliment me you make me smile every time that you say that you think that heaven sent me Cause I'm from hell, don't you know I'm a devil in disguise Who's finding his salvation when he looks into your eyes Surprise, this feeling really does exist I'm feeling like a good boy showing up on Santa's list There's no cold for me, you're in my soul for me And you do everything in this damn world for me I feel the same, baby, I'm not ashamed, baby That I hope that someday you will wear my name, baby I'd be the bacon in your BLT I'd be the Danny Zuckergirl to your Sandine I don't want you to ever underestimate me Cause it would be my dream to be a fantasy I promise you would be the salsa on your nacho chip I'd even be a straw if you needed a sip I'm a 32% on a dollar tip And that's why we should be in this relationship But you will never know this Cause you will never notice That you will never know this Oh, I know You will never notice So you will never know this That you would never notice Oh, my love 
You will never know this Cause you will never notice Said you will never know this Oh my love You will never notice So you will never know this So you will never notice Oh I'd be the bacon in your BLT I'd be the Danny Zuko go to your Sandine I don't want you to ever underestimate me Cause it would be my dream to be a fantasy I promise you would be the salsa on your nacho chip I'd even be a straw if you needed a sip I'm a 32% on a dollar tip And that's why we should be in this relationship Ship, ship, ship I'd be the bacon in your BLT I'd be the Danny Zuko go to your Sandine I don't want you to ever underestimate me Cause it would be my dream to be a fantasy I promise you would be the salsa on your nacho chip I'd even be a straw if you needed a sip I'm a 32% on a dollar tip And that's why we should be in this relationship That's why That's why Oh, oh, oh That's why That's why That's why Oh, oh, oh I'd be the bacon in your BLT I'd be the Danny Zuko go to your Sandine I don't want you to ever underestimate me Cause it would be my dream to be your fantasy My guest today is a singer, songwriter, bluesman, MC, who got his start busking on the streets of Philadelphia and took his music from there all the way to a Grammy nomination for Best Contemporary Blues Album in 2020 for his album The Juice. He has collaborated with the likes of Jack Johnson, Kevmo, the Avet Brothers, Cisco Adler, and many, many other artists. Alongside Philly legend Chuck Treese, he is set to release his new album, Philadelphia, Mississippi, on June 24th on 30 Tigers Records. Produced by Luther Dickinson of the North Mississippi All-Stars and featuring collaborations with rising blue stars like Christone Kingfish Ingram, John Tavius Willis, and legends like Alvin Youngblood Hart and R.L. Boyce, as well as hip-hop legends Schooly D, Speech of Arrested Development, and Freddie Fox, Philadelphia, Mississippi brings that unique brand of hip-hop blues down to the Delta to see what would happen when the Philadelphia of the North meets the Philadelphia of the South. Folks, it is my absolute honor to welcome to my show, G-Love. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great G-Love. G, thanks for joining me on Yo, That's My John. Yo, thanks, Nate. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I was just saying, man, you're... Your studio looks dope. <laughs> it's my basement, man. Like uh, this actually flooded last summer. And uh, so this is like the basement 2.0. So I love it. Looks killer. Looks killer. <laughs> so um, just to get started, I just want to tell you kind of like how I came to be familiar with uh, with you and uh, the special sauce. And it goes way back, man. Like I think it was like. I want to say like spin magazine did like a uh, new and notable, you know, they used to put those mixed cassettes out and stuff like that. And cold beverages was always on there. And it was like a, a revelation because like, I had always been torn between two worlds, you know, like I always loved rock music, but like hip hop was like my own. So like when I first heard that song, I was like, Oh my God, 
someone's doing it. Like it, it was absolutely, I, it was like you and Beck. And I was like, Oh, we've made it. Like, you know, <laughs> we've, we've done it. Um, and then I went and like, uh, I had a music, a very small, but a music career that, um, uh, bridged, uh, acoustic hip hop as well. So I, I owe it all to you. So thank you so much for, um, creating something, uh, so important to me. <laughs> Well, thanks. And actually, I mean, just jumping right in because uh, you you kind of nailed it when you what did what did you say? You said I rock, but what did you what did you say? Rock, but I, I was like torn between two worlds. I was like right. a, a man of two lives, you know. Right. Well, and, I think a lot. Yeah. So there was the same thing. Like we grew up with, you know, classic rock and like you know, eighties rock and roll pop music, and then hip hop came, and that was like. The, our generation but um you know it was not necessarily at the at the origin hip-hop is within the african-american community and it's a cultural music that comes from that culture and it's by that culture um and especially when it first started so there was not the notion that you know if you weren't growing up in that neighborhood where that was happening, that it was kind of acceptable or forget about being the norm, just, just being even like you wouldn't think about doing it because it was such a pure thing. It was and nowadays hip hop's infiltrated is one, right? It's part of every music. Yeah. It's part of country music. It's part of classical music. It's part of hip hop. It's part of rock and roll. It's all, all the lines are blurred, but you brought up Beck so when we 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 um we came to Philly and started recording our first demos in 1993 down at Studio Four, uh, the home of Rough House Records, where they had just signed Cypress Hill, the Goats, the Fugees, and Crisscross, and um, Blueberry, my dog, and um and um so we were making these demos and and um the producer dave johnson said well i'm gonna go out to la and try and shop this to the labels well he came back from the trip well how did it go we getting a record deal well he goes no uh actually there's another white kid that plays acoustic guitar and raps what <laughs> what are you talking about yeah some guy named beck or something funny how they chose him and, and didn't choose you well long story short we got our record deal shortly after that and uh signed to epic records but that first year that when we when we dropped Every article that I was in was like comparing G Love and Beck, you know. What oh, I'm saying? No way. Yeah, because we dropped, he dropped the loser single, and you know, we dropped blues music within, you know, months or weeks of each other. And then the Roots, of course, I think they maybe put their record out, um, their, their Geffen record out. Um, I think they had an independent record out, but they put their, their major, re- first major release out later that year or in 95. Yeah. You know, and, and that was the thing was like it, you know, you kind of touched upon it, like, you know, not not being able, you know, not being from like the city or not being African-American. There was like no entry point. And like you guys kind of gave like a new lane. It was like, yeah, it's this, but it's also still, the, you know, like it 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 gave like I said, it it it, it blew my mind because I was like, oh, my God, we can do it now. Like, like this is this is how I can do it, you know? 
No, no, it's it's real. I mean, it's it's something that honestly was like a struggle too, because um, on a lot of different levels. Because uh, you know, especially early on, we got to play gigs with everybody, man, from you know Cypress Hill to Guru Jazzmatazz to KRS One and Boogie Nap and um, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. I mean, we were doing shows with everybody. We we're doing these music conventions where they put us in like the hip hop showcases. So there would be, it'd be like, you know, two MCs with a dat and then two MCs with a turntable. And then there'd be three white dudes from Boston playing instruments and it would, and just playing. It's kind of like garage band sound. It just was not being accepted by the hip hop community listeners yeah. at all. And it was some tough shows and it was hard on me but I will say this, that like the, the hip hop artists, um, especially like Q-Tip, um, I'm just going to walk inside while I'm talking about like, I'll never forget, like we were doing an open up for Tribe Called Quest at some New England co- cottage and college. And uh, we were getting no love like from the crowd. It was kind of tough. And then Q-Tip came on at the beginning of his show. He was like, Yo, may y'all make some notes for G Love. You know, they came up and did their thing, and and he was always so like the artists were always really supportive, but the the hip hop community, we kind of figured out from the beginning that like that wasn't going to be where we were going to find our fan base, um, yeah. and where we and we found our fan base with just people that um, that you know more just people that listen to rock and roll and, and, and other and stuff. And a lot of people always say, yeah, I don't like hip hop, but I like you guys or, yeah, oh, I didn't think I liked hip hop, but you know, you guys are doing something different. I like that. So I don't know, whatever, whatever it was, um, you know, it, it ended up working. And um, so I'm just happy that, you know, we came along at the right time and, and it, it was just, had to do with the year I was born and where I grew up growing up in center city in Philadelphia, which everything was right there. And I was part of the, you know, this inner city, well, Espo, Steve powers, his old graffiti crew was called icy inner city youth. I wasn't part of that, but I, I do say like the inner city youth of Philadelphia in the eighties was really cool. And it, it was like, everyone was like, went from like, uh, basketball to like skateboarding and breakdancing to graffiti writing and then a lot of the writers ended up being musicians and some of the street artists like like steve powers um he's like a you know a national treasure now and um so it's cool to see the culture of philadelphia and the roots we all graduated high school in 1991 they went to kappa i went to gfs other people that went to GFS were Eric Brazilian from the Hooters, Santo Gold, Santi White. She was two years below. Yeah, no, two years below me or one year below me at GFS. Two years. And um, so there must have been something in the water. Definitely, definitely. You know, <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about it leading up to this. Like, you know, I look at I look at you and I look at Questlove as like, you know, as a Philly musician, I look at you guys as like big brothers, right? Like, cause you guys, you guys like paved the way of so much. And 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 then like I look at like Hall and Oates and stuff like that, and they're like my cool uncles, you know. And right, then right. like Gamble and Huff are like the the godfather, the grandfathers right. and all, right. you know. But like that Philly music scene is right. is a a tight community when you were 
like growing up, like what were you listening to? What were your parents listening to? What was playing around the house? Honestly, they were mostly like TV people, even really? though we only got, you know, three channels back then, but they were like, you know, nightly news people. We were, it was, there was a record player, but it was in the basement. And I found my mom's like small, but amazing album collection. And it really changed my, my world. Cause it, it was, I just remember all the important records, the Beatles white album, um, Bamo and the Whalers, Rasta Man Vibration, Bamo and the Whalers, Legend, um, Dr. John in the Right Place, uh, the Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers, uh, Willie and Wayland, um, their Don- Donovan, like the not my buddy, the 60s Donovan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I remember like putting on that the Dr. John record. And if you know that record in the right place, it starts with the clavinet going and the horns come in. It's like, whoa, it's kind of scary, man. Like, it's like, whoa, you know, what do you think about this? Um, um, but that the, those records kind of to the, to this day, you know, and, and I'm sorry, Bob Dylan's uh, greatest hits volume one. So th- these are all like my informative albums that I took from the basement, dusted off, and put on my little Panasonic joint, and uh, and that was the same thing that had the the turntable, but it had the FM, you know, the radio and the cassette player, so you could record, you know, Lady B's Street Beat, uh, Power Nine Nine FM on Friday nights, and then I'd listen to like you know I had my Beastie Boys license to ill cassette, and like you know King of Rock Run DMC, and then you know I'm bad. LL Cool J and put those tapes on before we go. I, I have this memory of being 15, listening to the Beastie Boys, you know, hold it now, hold it now. And before going out and writing graffiti, we, we go get on our skateboards or whatever and go get a Jolt Cola, which had all the sugar and twice the caffeine. <laughs> yes. And then we go write, write graffiti. And like, you know, oh, we were just little kids, you know, you know, from Society Hill, like trying to act all badass. But, you know, but Philly was like that. It was like, you know, it was neighborhoods block by block. So you have you'd say like, well, don't walk too far in any direction because you're going to end up, you know, in in a neighborhood where, you know, you might not be so welcome. And it was everybody you had like the Taney Street Gang were the Irish guys. And then you had the the the, you know, the the. The projects. Um, if you look at Philly from Camden, you see the White People Project, which are the Society Hill Towers, and you see the projects, you know, twenty blocks away. Um, it's like they look exactly the same, um, except they're not. You know what I'm saying? But um, but yeah, you had all these different neighborhoods, and and you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna have to watch out for the south philly kids that will come fuck you up man the, the italian kids from bella vista <laughs> well you're, you're you're a tagger did you ever did you ever were you a break dancer back then too i used to yeah, break yeah. dance a little that was oh, i was terrible at both you know yeah. i mean now my tagging's getting pretty good because i'm like i've been doing it so long but <laughs> i was definitely like a toy that's what you call like a a a wannabe graffiti artist, graffiti writer. I was, yeah, I was, but I was good at hoops. I was okay at yeah. skateboarding, but um, a lot of my like kind of, um, you know, uh, camaraderie with African-American kids in center city, 
was through basketball because I grew up playing at the Old Pine League on Fourth and Lombard, and that was you know I was one of only two or three white white kids that were playing, and I was I was good, so it, it, that saved me a lot a lot. Like because when you're back in the day, like in the eighties, you'd be walking around Center City, like Society Hills is still a really nice neighborhood then, but you know, like you say, you'd be walking around, you'd be always in constant. You know, if you saw like another group of kids across the street, you would take off running. You're like, oh shit. And then they'd see you, they'd see you, and they'd come try and jump you, you know? So it was a lot of that. Like, you knew all the like the secret ways to get around your neighborhood, all the alleys and backyards you could jump over to get away from people and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was like, you walk out. I give my parents so much shit. I'm like, you guys don't even know, like, you don't even know, like, the stuff that you were putting us in. Like, we used to take the, I went to school at Germantown Friends School. That's in like the heart of Germantown in North Philly, which it's this like, you know, pocket of rich kids going to school in, in the total hood. And then, you know, we'd finish basketball practice at like, you know, 730 at night and you catch like the bus. You'd sit out on the street there, catch the bus that would take you deep through North Philly to the broad and eerie stop on the broad street lines you get off at broad and eerie and you'd be like the only white person like anywhere and then you 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 go you go down and the broad street line you take the broad street line to you know uh market street and then you take the l down to second and market street and walk home or walk yeah. home from the gallery <laughs> it was just like yeah i was like 15 like kids these days like they can't even like you know, go to the bathroom by themselves. Yeah. They, they, like, they, they, they can't even play out front by themselves. And now it's yeah. like, yeah. So like, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get like, so, so racial, but this was real. This was, this no, was it's true. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, you, you, you would be an outsider in, in a neighborhood where you, where you weren't a part of that neighborhood period. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to me the, um, cause it feels like it was only, it, it's only been five years, but I know like we're, we're, we're all old, but like the amount of change that Philadelphia has gone through, like specifically in the past, like 15 years or so, but like, it's amazing. Like I remember, you know, um, I lost my mom to leukemia like a long, long time ago. Um, but like when she was in the hospital in, um, down in Thomas Jefferson, my dad drove us down one day and we like went in and my mom was like, how was the ride? And I was like, dad drove us through JBM territory. And she was like, what? And I, and I was like, yeah, I was like, he didn't know where he was going. And he drove us through, you know, the wrong spots. And then she was like, serious. Like it's always one of my favorite stories from that period yeah. because it was such a miserable time. But like, but like, yeah, like, like you said, you, you make a wrong left on a, on a one way and all of a sudden you're in, you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Philly is definitely uh, it's it's just gentrifying at at a light speed, and you know that has its ups and downs. But it's certainly a wonderful city, and um, you know we don't need to talk about race all day long. But like the thing that's really interesting and was really interesting 
to me, it was the integration. And like I said, that happened with sports at a young age and then later happened with music. And I had this, this, um, this line from one of my songs, which was goes, um, white kids rapping, black kids playing rock cheesesteak, fried onions, party on the block. (laughs) Um, but that was something that, you know, again, like it was something in the water that, uh, that the roots came and played the hip hop that was their generate the generation before them created and they did it with live instruments and that happened in Philadelphia and the fact that I came along with you know my dobro rapping and we all were the same year graduating high schools in the inner city and then you if you know that book Malcolm Gladwell's The Outliers yeah which- talks a lot about like why did the Beatles or why did Steve Jobs and and um Bill Gates they same thing. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs live within miles of each other. They graduated a year or two apart. There's a reason and 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 that was a lot because the integration in Philadelphia yeah. and and there was and Chuck Treats who 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 we've reconnected and making our new record. And he's the ultimate example of of you know a kid uh you know I think he was raised in West Philly and in Wilmington and he got into skateboarding with some of his neighbors and that kind of, and you know, skateboarding at that time was like a, a white thing. Right. Yeah. And he, but he's from a black community. So he's um, coming up playing R and B and jazz and stuff like that. This is before hip hop. And, um, and then getting into punk rock from his skate influence and then, bringing the hip hop live thing. Cause he was part of the r- original goats and uh, he was in the roots over the years. So this is a real integration and in a story of Philadelphia, a story of an East coast melting pot of a city. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, talking about the uh, Malcolm Gladwell piece to it, you know, I think one of the things, and it, it's another thing that connects both you and the roots is um, the importance of South street um, in that yes. time period. Like that was such a cultural hotbed. And like, yeah. I remember being a kid and like going down and like, I, I have a memory that I swear I saw you busking when I was younger, but I might've made it, I might've made it up. Um, but like, that's another, another piece that like now I walk down South street and it's like, it's a complete shell of what it used to be. Like, um, but for a time period, man, like, you know, the punks were there, the hip hop heads were there, the ro- old rockers were there, the old hippies oh. were there. It was the best man. Everything. Yeah. I, that's why I always say like, you know, and you, you understand it better than anyone. Cause, cause you're from the city, but like, that's the thing. Like, yo man, it was, everybody was coming from all the different neighborhoods to South street. So like you said, you had the richest of the rich to the homeless people. You had, you know, conservative people from the suburbs and Cherry Hill. And you had the gay community. You had the punk rock community. You had the skateboard spike skates, running up and down the street you had the kids coming from the projects and hip-hopping and breakdancing you had all the street performers playing from the old guy big al who would sit on a, a milk carton with the spoons and no tea yeah i mean everybody you know it was all happening on south street you know look this is what you're hearing <laughs> i love it 
was lawnmower. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. That was it. That was. You're right. That was. And then you go into, you know, Lorenzo's at the end of the night. Oh yes, and everybody's in there. Every all those people are in there coming together to get this mega slice of pizza, and you know. And everybody from Philly, no matter where you go around the world, they always let you know, yo, I'm from Philly. <laughs> yeah. It always cracks me up. I don't know how much you listen to uh, Action Bronson, but he's got a line. He drops a line about Ishkabibbles. And I was oh, like, shit. that's the greatest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> you're now an adopted, you're an adopted Philadelphian for that. Like, <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you, you know, talking about early Philly hip hop and stuff like that, um, you guys, you did uh, Slipped Away. Um, which is like a beautiful track. And I've always, I've always in the back of my head thought like, how has nobody done the cool C steady B like film? Like how, like, doesn't that seem prime for like yeah. telling that story? Like oh. it's so sad, man. It's so sad. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just briefly for people that don't know, uh, steady B and cool C like legendary Philly hip hop artists, as teenagers and, you know, fast forward to the nineties, um, obviously like their, their musical kind of careers probably fell off and whatever they ended up robbing this bank. Um, and they shot and killed uh, a police officer woman. And I think she was the officer Loretha Vard. I think she was the first, a uh, woman police officer killed in the line of duty in Philadelphia. It was a, oh, uh, yeah. a tragic story. And she left behind, you know, two sons and her husband. And there's such, such a tragic story on so many levels. And, um, you know, of course her death, the impact to her family, um, you know, the fact that two young black men shot a black police officer woman, these guys were rock stars and now they're robbing banks. I mean, it's just so hard to wrap your head around it. But then again, maybe it's not because it's the, it's the, the, uh, this is a reality for um, an oppressed community. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. These guys found themselves so desperate that they tried to fucking rob a bank and now they're both doing life, I guess. Right. I don't even know. I mean, yeah, but I think, uh, I think cool. See, they signed, uh, the death penalty for him, but I don't <laughs> think that they, uh, I don't know that. I think there was appeals and stuff like that, but, um, well, I mean, that's so tragic. I didn't know that part of the story, but, uh, when I heard the story, it was huge news in Philadelphia and I just wanted to, write a song about it um because that's what i could do and um and i actually researched it. i actually went to the library and like pulled the, all the articles i never had done that before and um so yeah then i i actually chuck chuck and i wrote the song um because i had the group going and then he he was coming with that slipped away slipped away and then um yeah i, I wrote it just from the good morning song it's off the school, you know. I mean, so um, just the tragic part to me was the the family uh, and being destroyed because the matriarch Loretta Vard was the victim, and and she was just doing an honest job, whether you like the cops or not. She was doing her job, and 
there was a bank robbery going on and she just happened to be the first officer on the scene and she took the bullet and, and then, you know, the bank is open and the rappers are jailed, but mom won't be coming home. You know, that yeah. was, the, that was the line. That's a beautiful song. And, and like that whole album, man, is like, that's my, that's, that's one of my desert Island picks. Like that's, that's such a perfect album. Um, but um, a, a close contender um, from the three songs that I've heard so far is Philadelphia, Mississippi, which you're doing with, <laughs> with which you're doing with Chuck now. Um, tell me a little bit about like how that came about. Like uh, it was pandemic related, right? Playing the barbecue, the soul barbecues. Yeah, we we started doing. You know, we went from the live streamings, and then we live up on Cape Cod now, the main streets of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. <laughs> and uh, someone reached out to, will you come play this graduation party? kind of that that june or july of the pan no it was like that yeah like that it was it was cold i remember so it wasn't early in the pandemic that first summer and i don't know well it's just the family so i went we said okay we'll do it We're, we need to make money somehow yeah. so showed up at these people's house played you know acoustic in their living room you know for the four college kids and the to parents and well, let's start doing this. So we started doing it. Long story short, um, that next fall, it started getting cold. Well, we got to go south. So we went to Florida and then we uh, got a gig in Mississippi. I had always had this idea because there was, I was, there's a city called Philadelphia, Mississippi. And I always thought, well, that's, that's, that always kind of like tickled me, you know, like Philadelphia, Mississippi. Yeah, but not, no, where are you from? Philly. Not Philadelphia, Mississippi. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, man, I just, I thought, well, what a great name for a record. Philadelphia, Mississippi, the, you know, this the pilgrimage of the hip hop blues. So Chuck and I, Chuck Trees, legendary, iconic Philadelphia musician, professional skateboarder. Like I said earlier, he's helped everybody and been a part of all his bands, like the Goats, the Roots, Santo Gold, G love um, and Don McCluskey, who was on your podcast. Yeah. I just saw him Monday. Uh, he's doing a residency at Fergie's in Philly, man. Uh, his band sounds so good right now. They're so good. Um, yeah. We played a gig with them at a drive, drive in movie theater during the pandemic up here. And I was, I was scared to go on after him because he sounded so great. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. Um, so you know, Chuck and I reconnected because we were going on his tour down to Florida. We played a show down at Bird and Betty's in LBI and Chuck heard about the shows. He goes, let me come jam. I said, yeah, come on down. So we jammed after the show. I said, well, tomorrow night's in uh, Baltimore. You want to come? Well, him and his son, Kieran said, okay, we'll come. They showed in Baltimore. After the Baltimore show, well, tomorrow's in uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia. You want to come? Yeah, we'll come. So next, next thing you know, we're in Florida. <laughs> we're working on this awesome duo set. So, yeah, we started doing that. And then this next run, we went all the way down to Mississippi. And finally, it was like the window opened up. I got a gig offer to play with G-Love and the Juice and the, the Almond Betts Band in Jackson, Mississippi. Holy shit. So we had a week off before between the or we planned it. So we do Solbacuse all the way down to Mississippi. And we'll take a week off, cut a record with Luther Dickinson in Coldwater, Mississippi, and do the Philadelphia Mississippi project. And because of the pandemic, no one was on the road. 
Yeah. And all these blues people were available to come through. So in four days, we had like 10 special guests. We had, you know, Chris Stone, King Fish, Ingram, John Tavius Willis, uh, Takari Jackson from Southern Avenue, Cam Kimbrough, who's Junior Kimbrough's grandson, Charday Thomas, who's Othar Turner, the Fife Blues player's granddaughter, Alvin Youngblood Hart, this old timer R.L. Boyce, um, Trenton Ayers, and Luther Chuck and I. And we made this, this record, which was kind of like, you know, the blues meets hip hop, the hip hop blues. And we brought it back to Philly and cut Schoolie D. And then I got speech from Arrested Development on it. And Freddie Chuck reached out to Freddie Fox, who's like the hardest rapper ever. And like, he's actually on a G love record. It's so crazy. And he said, damn, this shit is good. It's going to get G a Grammy. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was, um, it, it's just a really eclectic piece of contemporary blues. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so stoked for it. Yeah, the first I, I was at that um that Ardmore show that was like right after everything um opened oh, yeah. up uh, last year. And um was that last year? Two years. Yeah. Oh, God, it time's Two. flying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, that was our um our vax our second vaccine dose had just like hit the two weeks at that point. It was like a celebration. Um, but you played like three tracks off the album and like it blew my lid off. Like I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be something special. Um, specifically Love from Philly, which is you know, the first single that you just dropped on 420. Um, and uh, look, watch this awesome segue and the video done by the Blazed Ape Smokers Club who make <laughs> NFTs, which is a space that you're now included in. So, yes. So, this guy uh, actually, someone tweeted me, the Blazed Ape Smokers Club tweeted, tweeted the Blazed Ape version of Quest Love that he did. And and then he might have DM me and was like, yo, um, how can I get this to Amir? And I was just kind of like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what do you want me to do about it? Like, what's that got to do with me? I was like, you know, whatever. Like, but I was like, yo, you should make the G Love one. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. So then he made a G Love one, which you can look on my Philly G Love one, uh, Open C account. You can see the G Love version. So then I said, um, this guy's name is Barry. Um, I, I won't dox him, but, um, but uh, he was, well, I said, dude, man, would you be down? And he said, well, I'll do, how about I do ones with the whole band? And then I said, well, this song love from Philly. So, I mean, would you be interested in doing, cause he's, he lives in Brooklyn, but he's like a Philly guy. Yeah. And I said, would you be interested in doing, um, you know, doing his video and he did it and um he kept sending me clips because he made the schoolie d guy and he made chuck Treese's character and every time he sent a clip of one of the verses i fall on the floor i was like oh this is the greatest fucking <laughs> they have like all these iconic philly spots and he just went he went for it and then and then i kind of because he did the first verse and he was like all right well that's what i'm gonna do and I was like, well, dude, don't you think you could do the next verse? And then he'd be like, I wasn't thinking about it, but okay, yeah, I got an idea for it. And then you do Chuck's verse. Oh, shit, well, what about the what about my verse? 
<laughs> and so he ended up doing the whole video and um and uh it was cool and it was kind of all on the strength of like you know the new like community that that you and i talk about like on on the discord and stuff of this new the the nft and and blockchain communities and all these the nft space is just such a fucking trip and it's just yeah. like the tribal um communities and that was the whole thing like wow let's you know team up our communities and you get some notoriety off this with your collection and um and we get to utilize your awesome artwork and have the coolest animated video ever so it it's really cool yeah we we've talked about it but uh for the listeners how tell everybody how you got into like nfts and stuff like that well it's funny like um one of my old one of, one of my good good buddies is this guy named scott melker who um and his wife emmy has one-on-one management and they've been doing our website and socials for i don't know 15 years now <clears throat> a long time Scott was just an early adopter of um, Bitcoin and crypto, and he's a super smart guy. He's a DJ. Like he used to spin at Glam and all the, all the clubs in Philly, and then he went to Japan and was a DJ over there. And he's been on tour with us on the Summer Haze tour as a DJ, and he's just like a homie. He was also the first intern along with this other kid, Johnny Lisco, at Philadelphonic. Um, when we were down in, in Fishtown on 315 East Allen Street. And um, whatever, long story short is that Scott's now like a huge player in crypto and has this podcast and newsletter that's super well subscribed. And he's totally went from being an awesome DJ married to a beautiful woman to an awesome DJ married to a beautiful woman who has her own company and, and they're, you know, have, I don't even, you could probably Google it to see how much he's worth, but I mean, they've, you know, he's, he's mooned as we say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So he, so he was into it, but I got into crypto in 2017, uh, kind of again, through my pursuit of the arts, like being at Art Basel in Miami. And if you know, our, Miami's always been a hotbed for crypto. And this was in 2017 when Bitcoin was going through this huge jump up from like, you know, a thousand to ten thousand dollars a coin. And people were becoming billionaires and millionaires. And I was staying with these this guy who was already a, a millionaire, millionaire, you know, multimillionaire real estate guy, but him and his buddies were on to Bitcoin. So they were all showing me their Coinbase accounts with you know millions and millions of dollars in them. And well, what is it? What is it? What are they? Well, they're like, just just open a Coinbase account, you know, put in a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks and just jump in. I did. And of course, I bought Bitcoin when it was like twelve thousand dollars and then it went down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I kept buying Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin, just little drips and drabs. Um, so I was into that and then funnily enough just like when the pandemic hit shit started really taking off again and it was like wow holy shit like the stuff i've been kind of buying and trickling into 
it's fucking taking off. And my wife's like, what the fuck are you doing on your phone? You know, like <laughs> you put more money in there. We got to pay the fucking mortgage. You put $500 in there. You put a thousand dollars. What the fuck are you doing? I'm going to erase your fucking account, you know? And then I'd be like, well, look, baby, look, I put in a 10 G's and it's worth like 30 G's now. And then citizen copes all, yo, Gary, he left me this cryptic voice. But, yo, Gary, don't worry. We're going to be all right. Give me a call. There's something new out there. Well, that was a week. And then the next week, everyone started talking about NFTs. What the fuck is an NFT? Well, I just happened to be staying out at, we were on this West Coast Solbacue tour. And uh, one of the guys who was hosting us <clears throat> at his house um, is one of the guys that created GoPro, the second guy at GoPro. Oh, wow. Uh, his name is Neil Dana and who you can Google him, but he's um, he was Nick, the guy who started GoPro. He was his roommate. So he was the first employee at GoPro. And famously, Nick had said, if if we go public, I'm going to give you 20 percent of the company, which he did. So this guy worked his butt off for almost 20 years. And then, you know, he's my age and you know worth hundreds of millions of dollars but wow. he wasn't there but his buddy was there uh and again we were staying at his house in half moon bay his buddy was there house sitting while we stayed there happened to be a crypto guy we're out in the you know in the in the west coast san francisco mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying everybody's into the space so he schooled me and then i remember well fuck it i want to try and figure this nft stuff so i went on rareable and made an NFT with Andre Solar, who did the art for the Juice Gang in our animated videos. And um, I put it out. No one bought it, but I still have it. But uh, <laughs> Oh, no, not, no, the uh, the original one. Oh, I got it. The original one, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, in yeah, my Coinbase yeah. wallet. Um, I think it's listed on Rarible. But anyway, it's cool little. So it's just a Jiffy that has my one of my Andre's characters of me. Kind of lying on the side, but we got the juice scrolling by. It's cool, little piece. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, so that was it. So then, kind of jumped in on that, and then, um, and then actually, that guy Evan, he introduced me to Vlad, who, um, who started Block Party. No, yeah, Block Party, and then the offshoot of that was Moonwalk, and these guys, you know, took a chance and gave us opportunity to do our first pfp which was the juice gang now looking back on this you know like i didn't even know i hadn't even heard of discord yeah i hadn't no idea of anything i was just like holy shit i'm getting to do an nft and we can we have this awesome artist so we dropped this series of ten thousand, and i just remember being like wow i did the math and i was like wow i could be tomorrow i could be like a millionaire of course, it didn't go down like that. But, and of course, we sold, we minted 300 now. Yeah. Um, and I think it might pay out from, from Moonwalk. The big payout was like, you know, 10 Ethereum, which was a, a huge success, even though in NFT standards, the project's kind of been a failure, only minting 300 out of 10,000. Um, and of course there was, it, Ethereum was super high price when we dropped. 
there's certain things that probably held us back, but mainly <clears throat> we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And it's sadly like that Ethereum that I did make off that project. I, I made the ultimate rookie move and gave up my seed phrase to a fake open C website and lost all of it. <laughs> um, and that's like something that, so that was, I lost like all my, all my, cause I had my wallet loaded. Cause I was actually getting ready to buy a world of women. Cause that intrigued me. It's going to be my first NFT purchase. And, um, so I lost that. I lost all my looks rare shit. I lost all my NFTs or worth anything. And, um, they just got into everything and, and just dreamed me. So that, that sucked. <clears throat> but, um, that's like compound interest, but you know, the, and then, after the we dropped the juice gang then it was like well you know we only minted 250 or whatever and how can we or 211 and well you should have a discord oh well thanks for telling us that now yeah yeah you know what I'm saying? so then we started the discord they kind of assumed like and i think it's why they gave us a shot in the first place because our social media numbers were so good well, you got 250,000 fans on Facebook, so let's get, you know, we should be easily able to get 2,000 people on your Discord. So let's, let's get 3,000 people on your Discord and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll reopen the minting. Well, of course, we're at like 144 people on our Discord right, right. now. So there's, uh, there's this huge, when you think of like you're into the space, I'm into the space, but most people aren't into the space. And that could be young people and old people. Um, but there's a huge, um, you know, drop off between like. Another example was this Shefty pizza drop. These two chefs did it. They sold out their collection at 2,700, which was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. But the one guy's got a million followers on Twitter and the other guy's got 90,000 followers on Twitter. And they have were able to get close to 2000 people on their discord, but they also have like a company, like, like it's being run by like block stop. And so anyhow, it just, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't transform from one space to another. The, yeah. the NFT space is, is unique in itself. So it's always continues to be a learning process. Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I think, you know, especially for, you know, the fan base and we've talked about this a lot, but I think there is like, you know, um, it's it's a very scary world to jump into, you know. But um, yeah. but I think you know the pro the projects you've got behind, you know, and this is again something else we talked about recently. Uh, the projects you've gotten behind and the projects you've put out um, have like a practical nature to people who aren't uh, native to NFTs and crypto, like um, you know um, the um, uh, the upcoming Philadelphia Mississippi drop. Uh, with the with the limited edition vinyls, um, I think is a, is a huge a huge thing. Like uh, tell these uh, tell these uh, fine folk about that one. Yeah. So the 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 big drop that we're gearing up for is the Yellow Heart is the platform, and they famously did like the first major release with Kings of Leon on on their record a couple of years ago now, um, which was kind of snubbed by the music industry. But I think it's, if you look at the numbers, to me, it seems like a huge success, especially in an age where people don't buy records. 
Yeah. Wow. This is an opportunity for musicians to actually make some money off their records again, where you could be, or I could be huge fans of somebody and spend big daddy Kane a million times on my phone. He's going to get like a penny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it was with people selling records and, and CDs and getting radio play that mattered. You know I mean? It's, this is like no one, it's like putting you basically making a record. You're just making a record. You're just throwing that money away to, to make some new music. So this is an opportunity in the NFT space to, for musicians to once again, make money. Why is that important? Well, it's important because it costs money to make records and people love music and, and people deserve to have great music and musicians and true artists deserve to make great music and you need, they need to have patrons, right? So the NFT space is a wonderful way to support your artists. Um, so that being said, like, so our, our, the Philadelphia Mississippi project is going to be like what we call four tiered release. So the first thing that's going to happen, and this is going to happen in the first couple of weeks of May, I think May 9th is that a community token is going to be released and that's a free token all you have to do is like scan a QR code or go to yellow heart, whatever link we give out. And then you sign up, you make a yellow heart wallet and then you get a free, uh, the community token, which is the NFT artwork dropped in your account. And that's basically like an allow list or what we call white list, which gives you access and permission to mint early. So then 24 hours. So then the next part is the is the mint um and the pre-sale mint you have to have the community token which again was free and then you have 24 hours to sign up for the next token and the so the main nft there is going to be the origin token that's going to be one piece of artwork based on our record cover and that nft comes with utility utility is what we call an nft that does something else other than just something cool to look at on your screen so the utility is that you buy the nft and it's really the vinyl so you get shipped to your mailing address you get um either a black vinyl there's 700 black vinyls there's 300 gold colored vinyls like the actual record itself is gold and then there's five test pressings um, so 10 of the gold records come with a, four tickets and a meet and greet to a G love show. Five of those 10 come with the gold record, the meet and greet and one of five test pressings. So the whole collection is a PFP. No, <laughs> this is complicated. Whole collection <laughs> is a collection of 1000. So that's the second tier after, after we sell or mint as many of them as people buy. Hopefully it sells out. A couple of days later, we're going to do a random drawing to see who gets, you know, which wallets get a black vinyl, which wallets get the meet and greet, which blah, blah, blah. And then the last part of it, the fourth tier is the free airdrop of the generative PFP series, which are 1,000 unique variations of the album artwork. So um, you get three NFTs and a, and a record for $175. And you can, and Yellow Hearts platform is, is user-friendly for people not in the space. You can just use your credit card to do it. Uh, 
And of course, you can also pay with Ethereum or, or other crypto out of your crypto wallet. So, yeah, that's it. Philadelphia, Mississippi, NFT, Yellow Heart coming soon. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. And everyone like uh, listening to this should like join the join the Discord. Like it's a pretty good community. I mean, it turns into like um a Substack of just me typing uh, every once in a while, but <laughs> but but when it's happening, it's happening. <laughs> you know, it's nice because I mean, it's it's funny cuz like you know, you go on different Discords and like the bigger the project, obviously the more people in the Discords and then you just have a million people in the chat saying, good morning. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then ever, and then the other people that are just like me being like, I can't connect my wallet and collab land help, you know, or whatever <laughs> else, like, or, or are we going to be eligible for this airdrop? You know, our community is like, wow, everyone kind of knows each other. And they're like, well, what are you having for breakfast? And uh, are you going to be up in Cape Cod? Or like, yo, I'm down in Philly. I'm at the Sixers game or whatever. Yeah. Know? Dude, it's, it's cool. cool. Yeah, I like it. it, it it's a nice community and it, it, it's nice and tight. And people should join it and come yeah. come play. Uh, do you, do you, uh, you have time to go through the jauntlet here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So this is a, a questionnaire that I ask uh, every guest that comes on this show. It's two sections. The first section is one hit wonders. All right. Now, this is just a versus. This is like, uh, you know, just a, a standard stock thing. You don't have to put any thought behind it whatsoever. But the ver- the first verses is Billy Joel or Elton John. Who's you, who do you prefer? Uh, whew, I got to go Billy Joel. Yeah. All right. All right. That makes sense. I I I I, I kind of sense that. Number two, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Ooh. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I I, I got to go with Joan Jett because she's Philly, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hometown. Represent. Uh, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Ooh. Damn. This is tough, man. Um, wow. I mean, I'm gonna have to go with Aretha Franklin. Although my mom, you know, she she loves Tina. She loves Tina. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Oh, damn. Um, wow. Oh, man. I'm going to go with, I'm going to have to, oh, it's so tough, but <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Pearl Jam. Uh, I love the way that they're, um, I was just talking about it actually in the last podcast I just came off of how they've, they're kind of in a, I feel like a transformative stage becoming, they've always been a stadium rock band, but now they're, it's almost like a Grateful Dead kind of thing. Yeah. Where he, Eddie, the aging Eddie Vedder is kind of like a, almost like a rock and roll Jerry Garcia type of stature. I love it. I love it. You know, um, I've been trying for a year and it's been falling through every single time to get Chuck on this show. And one of the main reasons is I want to ask him to pick Billy Joel or Elton John or Nirvana and Pearl Jam because he's played with <laughs> Pearl Jam and Billy Joel. Ah, right. So, <laughs> so uh, a little spoiler alert if that interview ever occurs. Uh, next one, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Oh, damn. I'm going to go with Janis Joplin. Yeah. But I will tell you about the time that I snuck into the um, Fleetwood Mac show at the Taj Mahal in, um, in Atlantic City, and we snuck to the fourth row, and Stevie Nicks sang Landslide. She was looking right at me. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, the big one, Beatles or the Stones? Fuck, you're killing me, Nate. Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of in a Stonesy kind of vibe lately. Me too. 
Um, it's it as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate them a lot more, and like I, f- I feel like people pass them like pass them off as like yeah 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 the Stones uh, whatever you know, but like they're really really great songwriters. But I do feel like on that same tip, if if you go to like a bar night that's doing like a Stones versus Beatles DJ night, like they, I think you will find that the Beatles songs and compositions are just incredibly more innovative and uh original than than the stones um and again yeah i feel the same way the stones songwriting is is pretty much as good as it gets yeah buddy it's a little bit better (laughs) uh the last one of the one hit wonders bohemian rhapsody or stairway to heaven oh wow um bohemian rhapsody yes yeah, that one. That one's uh, turning into uh, the everyone says Bohemian Rhapsody question, so I might have to revise that one. Yeah, because Stairway to Heaven before Wayne's World that was a, a bigger toss up, but Stairway to Heaven as will always be a great song, but the cultural significance has kind of fallen off. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, the cultural importance of that song and that artist and that the fun people have with that particular composition, it keeps going up. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. So the last section of the joint lit is called the top 10 countdown. Um, of course we use John as freely. And uh, so it doesn't have to be music. You can be whatever you want it to be, but number one, what was your first John? What was the first thing you were obsessed with as a kid? Uh, uh, basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were, uh, so you, you played, what, what position did you play? I played uh forward power yeah. forward or shooting guard. I can see that. I can see that little <laughs> shooting hoops. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, number two, what's your current John? What are you into right now? Family. Yes. <laughs> and NFTs. I mean, I'm like, you know, since, since we dropped juice gang, like I've become, you know, like I just, like I used to be like when I, when I dropped juice gang, I was more like on my Coinbase and BlockFi accounts all the time and, and trading in coins. And the awesome thing about the NFT is like, wow, now you're seeing these coins actually be utilized. So it's really the next step. And I'm completely immersed in that. And my kids love to look at the NFTs and I'm a collector now and a creator. That's so the awesome. NFTs are kind of my joint, my joint. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, number three, what was your first concert? First concert was the um, Blues Brothers at the Man Music Center. Second concert was the Hooters at the Tower Theater. And then the third concert was George Starrgood at the Spectrum the night Villanova beat Georgetown. Damn. That's a, that's a high pedigree one, two, three right there. Set the, set the stage uh, pretty high. Um, that's, it's so crazy. The Blues Brothers at the Man, that had to have been a killer show. Like, I, was, I was eight. I do remember John Belushi coming out on stage flipping, like doing handsprings. You know, he's a little fat guy. Uh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, number four, what was your last concert? What was the last show you went to see? Uh... Um, my show. Um, yeah. I, what did we just? I don't. Yeah, I don't. What did I? Who did I just get this? I don't know. Um, I haven't. Yeah, I. I don't. What, I haven't really gone to a show. Like I guess I've seen. Well, I guess just watching Ron Ortiz. Daddy! 
<laughs> but, uh, or, or, it, um, or the Almond Family Revival, because I'm not on stage the whole time. So I get to watch that as like a fan also. That's <laughs> uh, perfect. That counts. That totally 100. By the way, Ron is so goddamn amazing. Oh, uh, that, um, and like I'd seen him, you know, previously with the band and stuff like that. But seeing him play by himself the last time you were in Philly, like, uh, man, what a talent. What uh, an absolute talent. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. Great. Uh, number five. What was your favorite concert that you've ever been to? Oh, uh, uh, Paul McCartney at Fenway Park. Also, uh, Bruce Springsteen at Jazz Fest. Really? Those are titans, absolute titans. Um, Number six. Who have you never seen live that you wish you would have? They can be living or dead. We'll go with the blues. Robert Johnson. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Uh, Number seven, name an unappreciated, John. Name something you wish uh, more people were into. Uh, Juice Gang NFTs. (laughs) Yes. That is an unappreciated, John. Big shout out to uh, Andre Soler, who designed the hell out of those NFTs, by the way. Uh, Number eight, uh, what is your favorite album? Favorite album, um, John Hammond. Or no, I'm going to go hip hop on this one. Uh, well, I'm going to go type John Hammond Country Blues for the blues. And Eric B. and Rockham paid in full for the hip hop. Yes. You know, um, I got to give you a little bit of a shout out. Uh, whenever you drop paid in full uh, live, you uh, you definitely you definitely hold your own on, on the swagger on that. <laughs> Um, the uh, number nine, uh, name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they put out. Ooh, um, uh, Tribe Call Quest. Very good answer. Did you hear that new um, Fife album that came out? Uh, after he, oh, you gotta check it out. It's there so you go. I, I have to be completely honest. I'm so, I'm so bad. Like, um, I'm, I'm such a bad fan like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 really good though. It's a really uh, touching love letter to uh, the life of Fife. Like, uh, check Perfect. it out. Definitely Perfect. check that. Uh, and then uh, the tenth and final of the top ten countdown. What is your favorite John of all time? Again, could be anything you wanted to be. Lemonade. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. And Philly, and uh, I w- it's funny because just on the whole thing about John, and I got to jump because my son's about yeah. to sh- his boss about to pull up, but um, it's so funny because. Um, the word John, we were, you know, it, it, it came out of, out of the, uh, you know, the African-American community in Philadelphia and in Georgia, cause my rapping partner, Jasper was like, Oh, you say John. Cause we say Jan in Georgia. They say that Jan, but in Philly, we say that John and we really kind of appropriated it when I was young. And, uh, one song that we wrote, that never was released was called I got them Jones, meaning uh, I got blues. I got the blues. I got them Jones. But um, it's, it's been, it's, it's been a lot of fun for me to see like that world. Not like that. I didn't make it up, but yeah, like we were early on it, but it's such a thing now. And I got a good NFT idea of the, that goes along with that for some other conversation, but um. Yeah, man. Here's to all the Johns out there. And uh, thanks for having me, brother. And thanks for uh, all your uh, support 
to uh, my NFT projects and, and helping me. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. And thank you, not just for doing this, but also for the music you created. Because uh, as I said earlier, you've been a huge inspiration musically to me. So um, I absolutely appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I've been freaking out inside that I've actually gotten to have this conversation. So thank you again. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I'll see you on the Discord. And, yeah, um, man. Anybody want to get a hold of me? Um, at Philly G Love on Instagram, at G Love on Twitter, G Love and Special Sauce on Facebook, Juice Gang Discord, and Philadelphonic.com. So thank you guys so much for the support. Oh my God. So, so incredibly dope. My thanks again to G Love for joining me today on the podcast. G's new album, Philadelphia, Mississippi, is available for pre sale on his website at www.philadelphonic.com. Check out the first single, Love from Philly, featuring Schoolie D, available now on all major streaming services. And be sure to catch the music video animated by the great Blazed Ape Smokers Club. His NFT collection, Juice Gang, with artwork by Andre Solar, is available to mint on nft.philadelphonic.com. His collaboration with All Ships and artist Henbo Henning is available at blockparty.io. And the community token for the upcoming Philadelphia, Mississippi NFT drop can be found on the Yellow Heart Marketplace at yh.io. Check the show notes for links to all of the above. And be sure to follow him on Twitter at GLove and on Instagram at PhillyGLove. And as I said earlier, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Yo That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And folks, don't forget, it is never too late to get yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world. And you can do just that by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and search Yo That's My John on YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. Stretch goal number one, achievement unlocked. You don't even know how elated I am right now. And I only get to have these conversations because of listeners like you. So from the very bottom of my heart, I thank each and every one of you. You know, as I like to say, whether you have listened to every second of this podcast or only five seconds of this podcast, I am forever grateful for you lending me any of your time, you know, and I got more great stuff on the horizon. So I hope, I hope you come back. I hope you all come back now, you hear? Blue skies until next time, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. You taste in music doesn't have to be... Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. 
If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. John.